The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. It's Overtime Podcast. It's the Orange Zone, the award-winning Orange Zone. What's up from the Sky Cam? If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening Spotify, Apple, wherever, welcome in. You've clicked on this for a reason, and it's probably because either you were at the game, you were watching on TV, or you were watching the highlights after and experienced one of the most memorable moments in recent history history for Syracuse men's basketball. Kadir Copeland, buzzer beater to beat Miami, the first in seven years. It was an amazing day. It was an amazing moment. Ashley was there. In fact, she was on the court shooting the game. Ash, we're starting with you. You had a firsthand experience. I mean, a fun one. What a fun one to be right there for. I think, like you said, I think it's the most memorable Syracuse men's basketball game that we've had in a few years. Haven't had a buzzer beater since, I guess, 2017 Mm -hmm. in the Dome. But just beyond that, one of the most fun games to be a part of. And listen, that game was not handed to them. I mean, I was telling you before we started recording this, I was very back and forth sitting there on, like, I really thought Miami had it in the first half. And then it kind of seemed like the momentum shifted Syracuse. Syracuse's way so fun game to be a part of and the dome was loud the dome got loud the last few minutes because the dome was a little quiet at first today I don't know if it was just an early Saturday morning a little a lot of people there over 20,000 but a little quiet and then people really got into it and people jumped out of their seats in the final minute and you mentioned this is such a back and forth game which is what the crowd and the fans want right the score was tied 12 times the lead changed five times I think when you're a fan there's two things that you really crave when you go to a game, two things that could be the best possible outcome, which is either a buzzer beater or a come from behind win, a comeback win. And fans have experienced both of that in the past week. When you consider Syracuse women's basketball, Mm -hmm. having a couple of 18 point come from behind wins. And now this buzzer beater, it's getting people engaged again in a way you alluded to this, that they might not have really been in the past few years. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I felt like, I don't know about you guys watching, but I knew when it left Quartier's hands that it was going in. I think, I think everybody, everybody knew. Yeah. Everyone's here yeah. with it. Whoa, even Otto. Otto's like, yeah. Everybody's jumping off their couch. Yeah, Otto. It was a great moment. And Syracuse moves to 13-5, and five, now 4-3 and three in ACC play. And we know at this point in the season, every win matters. And the more that they can get ahead, the better. And let's talk about the play itself. So, again, wild games start to finish. That's the thing that I think, you know, had we not had that buzzer beater, I think we still would maybe be having a similar reaction of this was a fantastic game. I think the college basketball junkies are looking at this and probably will be one of the most memorable games, not just because of the shot, but because of how it finished, how it played out. Ultimately, Syracuse down one point at halftime. It was 31-30. And then the second half, really, Miami was in control and just seemed to hold on to that lead for so much of it. And then, boy, did things just break loose in that final five minutes. And it wasn't like it was just Syracuse's basketball, right? Miami was making shots. Syracuse was making shots. It was nonstop. It was kind of that game of who's going to miss and who's going to make the shot last. It ultimately ended up being Syracuse. Now, the play was um, ultimately they had a big stop on defense. Got to give some credit to that. They get the ball down. They cross the midcourt. Adrian Autry and his staff were able to come up with a play. And you saw that Jerry McNamara was very much involved. And I'll go to you in a second to kind of see what they were talking about afterwards. But 
They get the play set up. It's in Judaman's hands. You know you're going to be waiting until the final five, six, seven seconds because you do not want them to have another chance. He gets the ball. He's drawn the defender. Malik Brown comes up and sets a pick. When he rolls to the basket, I believe the play was probably set up where either Malik or Kadir Copeland, that defender, has to pick one of those guys to push towards. Defender pushes towards Malik. Judah sees that. He goes cross-court pass to Kadir Copeland. Hits at the buzzer, baby. What a moment. I mean, talk about what a heads-up play from Judah, too. Like oh, That's time. an important takeaway. There, 13 assists. He, yep. Just short of a triple-double. What was it? 13 assists, 8 rebounds, 10 points? Yes. Yep. Do you believe? <laughs> Numbers guy. <laughs> <On the> <laughs> Numbers guy. Um, yeah, so big game for him. He was crashing the boards. That's something we've really seen him do in the past two games, too. Mm. Adrian Autry said post-game that he thinks that these last two games, Pittsburgh and today, have been Judah Mintz's two best games of the season. Maybe not on paper. He's had some gaudier stat lines, but just in terms of his floor play, and I think that's been a huge difference. But Back to the buzzer beater shot, yeah. back to the final moment. Um, yes, Adrian Autry said that he told them to not shoot the ball until there was three seconds left. Interesting. And they were, it was under that. It was like less than it, a second. Did they say anything about it being designed for Quadir, or is it more so like there's a few options here to play the right one? Autry, when he came up to the podium, said that he drew up that play. He was kind of joking, kind of laughed. So I don't know if that means he, in fact, didn't throw up that play, and that was sarcasm, but. <laughs> Because this know. is it. Yeah. it. It must be. I don't know if it was sarcasm either, but if it wasn't, like, what an electric feeling to have truly drawn up the play and then the play actually works out the yeah. way you wanted it to. But yeah. hard to say whether or not he truly drew it up that way. I thought a lot of the conversation on Twitter was that everybody was just so impressed that he was even able to make that cross-court pass and find him. I think people were impressed that that really worked. But the three-second thing really does. It makes a lot of sense if you think about it, trying to stay within that three to four seconds, because if not, if you're shooting that with seven or eight seconds, that's just too much time to have left on the clock. Yeah. But. Underrated thing, too. I don't know if this was on the broadcast, but Quadir made a basket at the end of the first half. He had a little he had a little buzzer beater layup, but it didn't count as after the buzzer. Yes. So he did it in both halves. Yeah. He's ice cold. Yeah. That's the thing that you realize about him is that he's one of those players where I think the reason why most people, including you, felt like once that ball left his hands, it was going in is because he's the kind of guy who doesn't crack under pressure. He is built for those moments. He wants to be the guy with the ball in his hands. And you can feel the difference when it's someone who kind of wishes they weren't in that big-time situation or somebody who really appreciates that feeling of having the spotlight on him. And he's that dude. And that's why I think people feel confident having him be the person who takes that last-chance opportunity. And he's not a three-point specialist by any no. means. He's only no. shooting 25% on the year. It's better than what he was shooting last year. But there, there is that confidence factor, and I truly believe that plays a part in it. Because at the end of the day, if you were to pick the guy to take that final shot, to me it wasn't Quadir on Saturday. No. It was J.J. Starling. And if you watch the play over again, which I've done 114 times, <laughs> um, J.J. is actually – he whips around to the top of the key right as Quadir is shooting that. So I'm thinking that the play was, you know, depending on how quickly mm -hmm. Mintz got the ball over, that the second play there, if he didn't have the shot, was J.J. Granted, they weren't going to have the time, so he made the right choice because Starling was he, – he was terrific, 22 points. He had six threes. And this is a guy that really was struggling. And, and I think, you know, people I spoke with were kind of like – you know, they're, they're rooting for J.J. He's the Baldwinsville kid, but he was just a little bit quiet and has been quiet for the first half of this season. In the last two games, he's really been something special. And let's, uh, let's toss to some sound that we had just mentioned of Autry, Mintz, not Mintz, maybe Mintz, Lil Mintz, Mintz talk, Lil Mintz, Starling, Copeland, Mintz Starling. But yeah, here, let's, let's take you to the locker room so you can hear from them. First of all, 
I don't know where Q found got his phone from, so don't don't ask me that. I don't know how he found his phone. So, and uh, second, you know that was the play that I drew up. They ran it exactly the way I told them. Right when it came right out, I said, Judah, get everybody to uh, get them to leave quite in and throw it across. But uh, no, it was a it was a great game. It was an exciting game. Um, we knew it was going to be a back and forth game. You know, we just talked about uh, you know not letting the runs get too big. Um, hence. Call you know more timeouts than I ever have called uh, this game. Just trying to keep the game close because they're an explosive team. You know they, they can make shots. You know I, don't, I know the big fella wasn't there, but I thought they filled in admirably. I thought we did a really good job defensively for the most part on, on their three point shooters, um, and they and they got going late. Um, but you know that's it's, you know that's an experienced team. But I'm just happy for our guys. I thought they battled. I thought they stayed with it. Um, you know I can kind of go down the line and you know. I thought Chris Bell, you know, really, really did a good job of, you know, sitting sitting down in the second half and being coming back in and making those threes. You know, I think it was one to, to tie back up. Um, you know, that that's that's hard to do. You know, I thought he stayed with it. I thought JJ was phenomenal right from the beginning. Right from the beginning of the game, he was locked in. He was ready. I thought we found him, uh, and he, you know, he took advantage of it. Um, you know, Judah again. You know, just impacting the game I, again. These 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 two games that he's had to me. Um, are the best games he's had. The best games he's had, 13 assists, you know, 10 points. I mean, he just controlled the game. He made the right plays. He got our shooter shots. You know, he he took what the defense gave him. You know, he gets a lot of attention. And, you know, we've been talking about that. So, again, that's how he can impact the game. He doesn't always have to score 20, um, but he can generate more than 20 by his passing ability. So I was just really proud of him um, just kind of going down and just, you know, leading us and getting us into stuff and, and making plays. Uh, you know, I thought Quadia obviously the big shot, but he was really good defensively, you know, scrappy, doing the things that he does. You know, that shot was big for him. You know, that was a big shot for him. And, uh, you, know, um, you know, I can't say enough. I thought Kyle just coming in for that one possession was huge. Again, as you, as you know, this is how I talk to my team. You know, I, I, I give credit to all my guys that step on the court because uh, when we play like this and we play like a team, we can have ones like this. And this is a, this is a really, really big one for us. You know, when they get full and healthy, you know, they're going to make a run. Um, so I'm just excited for our team, excited that we got the win. When we have practice and, you know, and it comes down to, like, the last second, I always end up shooting like a, a crazy three or, like, the one of the, the game-winning shots. So, you know, um, that's just something I always – I just stuck with it. I was making it a lot of practice, and I just stuck with it. And you said, I'm a game-winner, I can make game-winners. And then I got an opportunity today in the game and hit, so. Have you ever made a shot like that in a game before? Yeah, I made, I made game-winners before, but not at this, like, with – I don't, do you guys know how many people was in there today? Over 20,000. Yeah, I'm about to say, with that many people in there, I never did this. Like, I probably will never do it again, but hey. Coach was saying that we shouldn't go to score until, you know, there was three seconds on the clock, and um, that's what we did. It was, it was great. You know, Judah came off the screen. They helped. Um, he had his eyes up on the rim and also on his teammates, and he found the open guy, and Claudia knocked it down. So, great one. It's, it's, Kawhi always hits the game winner, so it wasn't a shocker, but this is an actual game, so it's a little different. Like spotlight. Ooh. He doesn't? That's what I'm saying. It's not like he doesn't. Oh, yeah, he loves it. Yeah. As he should, man. All right. Appreciate those guys making the time for us. And I will say shout out to everyone in the first row that was sitting courtside because they got crushed. I don't know if I don't know oh, how yeah. they're doing. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they <laughs> were just shot. under the under the uh, <laughs> you know under the pile, just enjoying themselves. But yeah, Copeland knew what to do in that moment. He ended up having a cell phone with him. You can watch that on on Twitter X right now. Um, but before we you know get to head look ahead to these next few games for them, the 
takeaway from this game? I'm going to get a positive from you guys and also an improvement or something that stands out to you that just kind of still has you going, ah, this needs work. Let's start with the improvements. Let's get the negative out of the way. Because it was a largely positive day. <laughs> yes, it was a largely positive day, so let's end positive. Negative for me is, and it isn't even really a negative, it's kind of a fake negative, but I would like them to get rolling quicker in these games. It seems like they're, they oftentimes put themselves in a situation where, and they were in this game the whole game. They never, I think the largest deficit was like seven points when it was like 55 to 48. I'm not yeah, sure. second half second half but I would like to see them bring that energy and bring that comeback momentum a little quicker because then you don't always have to launch a comeback in the final minute or two of the game um, and I don't know what that is they're kind of a second half team this year maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a bad thing I don't know it could go either way no, I choose second point. half personally yeah. <laughs> if, if one of the halves are going to be great yes I'll, I'll take second half but totally see what you're saying definitely room for improvement Justin Taylor mm -hmm. again just another quiet day from Taylor, one from five from the field, 0 for four from three. He had two rebounds, one assist, two points. I know that he's capable of more than that. We've seen him be capable of more than that, but he's sort of been consistently mediocre throughout the past few games to the point where I'm wondering why Quadir Copeland isn't starting over him. And I'm wondering if that's an adjustment that you might see. I don't think at the point that he's at right now, he's doing enough to have that starting spot. And I think sometimes when you take that away from a player is the exact moment when they start to play better. And you could see that in the near future. I agree. And there's a bit of routine with that, maybe, with Autry's decision-making, right? People know their role. They're used to coming off the bench or whatnot. But um, end of the day, and, you know, that was something that, you know, Jim Beheim was kind of known for, was keeping that starting lineup that he had in the beginning of the year. Because that first starting five that you'd see in November, you're like, okay, this is huge. We're probably going to be seeing this till March. Whether we see that change or not, Time will tell, but if you're going off purely numbers, purely stats on when this team is the most effective and who's out there, it's going to be someone else other than Taylor right now. And not to mention that when he first checked out, it was Benny Williams also coming into the game, and that made an immediate improvement when they were down about 10 to 5 and things just weren't looking good from the start. But let's go into the positive. Who wants to start with that? I can let it rip on the positives. Yeah, One thing that stuck out to me as this is encouraging, I'd like to see more of this in the future, is that it felt like offensively this was a really balanced game for Syracuse. You had five players who had double-digit scoring. J.J. Starling, 22 points. He led Syracuse on the day. Chris Bell, Malik Brown, Judah Mintz, and Quadir Copeland. To me, that shows that this team does have depth. You also had another day where there were some points off the bench. I'm excited about the fact that each of these players, and of course, they're not always at the top of their game every single game, but everybody has something to contribute. And even the players who don't start or who don't see a lot of time, I still see in the conversations on Twitter that people are excited about what the future has to bring. So I think everybody who's on this roster right now has something to bring to the table. Yeah, their depth something that we've definitely been talking about all year. Um, for my positive, I kind of have a big point and then a smaller subset point. One and one A. One and one A. I would say the three-point shooting. I mean, we saw that improve at Pitt was the first game that that really became an improvement. Seven different players shot a three at Pitt, and I think it was 10 for 17. So that was kind of the first glimpse we got into this. Mm -hmm. And then they, car they carried that into today's game. I mean, beyond just taking the shots, they were making the shots. And it was Chris Bell, J.J. Starling, obviously Quadir um, at the end. So I think that's really encouraging to see. And I think it, it gives them a lot more confidence in terms of the offensive schemes that they can draw up if they do have confidence shooting the ball now. Because they were ranked bottom of the ACC in three-point shooting in like every category. So 
I think that's great if that continues to improve and something that's probably needed to improve for them. And then my 1A is just what we've already talked about, J.J. Starling in that backcourt with Mintz is seeing him come alive and, and really becoming a threat I think is huge for this team. I feel like that's the one-liner on the day. Don't just take the shot, make the shot. Like, I'd, <laughs> I, I'd wear a shirt that says that. I mean, hey, let's get merch. <laughs> Honestly, not out of the question. I like it. You have any final thoughts? I agree with Ashley. 37% from three today. That is encouraging. And honestly, even just overall 40% from the field, they shot well today. And they fought back, and this was a game that was back and forth. And to see Syracuse be on the right side of a game like that, to come out on top and to play strong throughout the whole thing and to never give up, it goes back to a point that Moten brings up frequently, which is... 1A, protect your home, and 1B, never give up, continue to fight. And we saw both of those things from this team today. Really impressive that both of these teams have had such a strong start at home. That's something that's encouraging, too. And behind the blue wall is Rachel Culver. Rach, what did you think of the game? What stands out to you? What are you thinking of this college basketball Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it was exciting, right? We all had fun. Um, <laughs> but one thing Ashley brought up that I thought was important is the second-half team instance and mm -hmm. kind of what we're seeing there I mean that first half was sloppy especially that first 10 minutes we saw a lot of like just not smart passes that were made and Miami was defending those passing lanes and you saw them settle into the game but yeah it's you can't help but kind of wonder what happens if like you kind of start to iron out those things and we're ro we roll from the beginning and then it just goes on Love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it's great to be. I think it's just like great to be a second half team, but it's also great to play complete games. Yep. You know what I mean? It's better to be a complete game yeah. team. Yeah. I'll take that. And I know someone's going to mention the comments if we don't mention it. So we do need to mention it. Miami was without their starting center. Yes. yes. Certainly a piece of it. So are we, though. So are we. Technically, you're right. Technically. And if you look at the big <laughs> picture for that team, right? Jim Laranaga is still there. They have two guys that are expected to go in the top 15 in the NBA draft. The talent's there. They're still trying to figure out and mend together what's been such a powerful program over the last few years. It's Miami. It's Jim Laranega. I think they will find it. And ultimately, if you're a Syracuse fan, we say it every week, add Miami to your list. You want them to start doing really well yeah. and get into a quad one. Right now, that's a quad two. We'll see if that moves up. You know, I think they should be kind of wedged in there at the two, but um, big games coming up, and it's against teams that are at the top of the ACC right now, and it starts Tuesday at home. The second one's at home, too, but it starts with Florida State. Yeah, Seminoles playing right now, so we'll see where they stand by the time you're listening to this, but they're 11-6 and six overall, 5-1 and one in conference, which is impressive. And then NC State just fell to Virginia Tech today, so they're 13-5 and five like Syracuse, but 5-2 and two in ACC play. So it's two big games. And it's two games where Lawrence Moten famously told us last week, he said if they win these three games, I think they're a tournament team. And I wouldn't blame him for thinking that. I think that sounds pretty good right now. It really does. I like that he sort of made that early prediction right from the jump. And I do. I think the fact that these are both two home games, yeah. this is an important stretch. Coming out of this, three out of three, even two out of, out of three, I think that puts you in a good position moving forward. Also so exciting to think that this all happened today on ESPN2 coming out of college game day. This is a game that people across the country are watching, so that could be big for this team going forward too. Kind of a little bit more respect on their name. You want exposure. You do. Um, yeah, I think it's an important homestand. A three-game homestand in the middle of the season, kind of a rare thing. Um, so I think it was a great way to kick it off today, and we'll hope that they, they continue the momentum. I definitely agree with Moten. Three not must-wins, but... Kind of must wins. It helps. It helps. It helps. Certainly doesn't hurt. Time. And 
15 and 5 would sound pretty darn good. But one game at a time starts with the Seminoles Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back midweek. We will have another probably Wednesday evening show drop like last week. So normally, you know, we put our show out early Wednesday morning for the morning commute. But because there's another Tuesday night game, we're like, what's the point of recording Tuesday afternoon? Mm -hmm. So Wednesday evening show coming this week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Samantha Crossan. Samantha Crossan. Samantha. Samantha. I keep that doing happens that to you a lot. I'm just going to go Sammy C. Rachel Culver, <laughs> Nestor Winskowski, Tommy Sladek. We're out of here. Peace. Thanks, Bye. Billy Whitaker. Bye.